And welcome to Art Jackson Home. This week I am joined by Darl Junsu Tut. Yes. Got it? Yes. She is the executive <laughs> director of rap and uh, has a, a harder last name to say than mine. <laughs> um, and so, uh, Darl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, what you don't, what the listeners didn't hear is the five minutes of practicing <laughs> that I just did on saying that name right. Um, so, so uh, Darl, um, you're... You're the executive director of a nonprofit in our town, and so right. we love to have your folks like you on to talk about the work you're doing. Uh, but before we get into the work that RAP does, okay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Um, gee, where do I start? Well, I'm um, basically from Tennessee. Okay. Um, grew up in Middle Tennessee, in Nashville specifically. Um, and I've been in Jackson since um, January, of, actually since late December of 2012, mm-hmm. with RAP since January 2nd, 2013. Um, before that, um, um, I lived in Thailand for almost 20 years. My late husband was from Thailand. We met here, were married, lived here, had our oldest child here. He was, in fact, Chris was, I think, 10 before we decided, you know what, we're going to we're gonna make the big leap. And yeah. so we moved to Thailand, to Bangkok, uh-huh. and I loved it. Yeah. Um, um, worked, lived and worked there. I worked for the Graduate Institute of Business Administration there. It was a joint venture of um, Jilalongkorn University in Bangkok and Wharton and Kellogg here in the U.S. Had some incredible opportunities um, there and then I lost my husband in 97 by that time I had five children mm. um, my oldest was already here in school back here in the U.S. in school and so after really thinking about a year and deciding you know I had worked in the private and semi-public sector semi-private sector for a long time and I really wanted to do work that was focused around strengthening families, strengthening communities. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite know what I needed to study or how I needed to go about doing that, but I, I had done enough work in Thailand that I knew that was my love mm-hmm. and that I did need to get some more training in that area. So with reaching consensus with my children, they were all looking forward to coming. We came back in 98. Yeah, and where did you come back to? To Nashville, okay. which is where all my family are, which yeah. is where all my children are now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so uh, so did you come back and pursue more education? I did. So, I oh, did. Did you have education? I guess you had. Education I did. I had a master's degree um, uh, before going to Thailand, mm-hmm. um, and got the equivalent of a second master's when I was there, and then a third one here in that's social a, work. That's uh-huh. a lot of education. I like learning, yeah. but I the second one was sort of. It was an opportunity. I, mm-hmm. While in, you were there. In, right. The why, or, why not? Yes. Yeah. You know, so. Okay. And so what did you get when you, so you came back, and where did you go for that last degree? Uh, at University of Tennessee, okay. uh, Knoxville. Yeah. I had done my undergraduate work at UT Knoxville. Mm-hmm. I did my graduate work at uh, UT Knoxville, and that first master's that I had was at MTSU. So okay. Tennessee all the way around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you did social work for the last that That's right. The very last one was a, was mm-hmm. a master's degree in social work, and I'm a licensed advanced practice social worker. Gotcha. So so the career arc, what were you doing before you moved to... Before I moved back to Nashville? Before you moved to Thailand. Uh, before I moved to Thailand, um, whatever I could do that would earn enough money to help me finish my graduate degree. Gotcha. So I taught, actually my last 
two years I was teaching at MTSU. I was finishing up my master's because I was a graduate teaching assistant. Gotcha. So um, and they back then it sort of paid for your, all of your tuition mm-hmm. and your books and paid for a whole lot more back then than it does now. Um, and so I pretty much taught and worked on my uh, graduate degree, but um, I have worked for law firms and things like that. Then when I went to Thailand, um, I started out in the Faculty of Arts and then moved over to the Graduate School of Business, did consulting with... Um, so what kind of business? So you were teaching business classes? I did time. organization behavior, organization development, um, conflict management, um, just a variety of the, what, what, what in management they consider the soft skills. Yeah. Basically what I've come to consider corporate social work. That's, that's interesting. It's it's helping people process their 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 problems. Yeah. I mean, you're not making decisions for them. You're helping them think things through, mm-hmm. helping them develop stronger problem solving skills, yeah. making them aware of and connecting them to resources that they may need to help them. The social work. So there's kind of already moving that way. I was, and my volunteer work. I did volunteer work for our orphanages um, in Thailand and for the. Thai Red Cross. I went to border camps. That was my first exposure to domestic and sexual violence. Was in border camps in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, with in my work with the, I was an international liaison for because I speak fluent, speak read and write fluent Thai. Okay. And so I was the liaison for international um, organizations who were helping to resettle refugees. And that that was just a that was just part time. I mean, my yeah. full time position was with the university. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then it was fun. So you've come back to Nashville. You studied at UT, and and how does how does the connection? Do you start to seek out specifically services like RAP does, or is that just was that just a natural? Uh, was that the opportunity that was placed before you? It was an opportunity that mm-hmm. um, I, I mean I've had a rather circuitous route to get to where I am. Um, I um, started out in the social work field with um, the Department of Children's Services. I was actually special assistant to the federal court monitor uh, for the Brian A. versus State of Tennessee. It was where Children's Right, a national advocacy firm, sued the State of Tennessee because of abuse of children in foster care. Mm-hmm. They had a, they reached a settlement, and there was this very long agreement with terms that had to be monitored. And so I did monitoring. I, with the, the, the appointed monitor, did that. And then when the uh, governor appointed um, a commissioner who was a strong reform commissioner, um, I decided to join the department, and mm-hmm. I wanted to be part of that reform effort. Mm-hmm. So I was in, I was, uh, ended up there as um, the executive director for performance and quality uh, uh, improvement working in the field quite a bit around how we strengthen practice with families. Yeah. And then from there went to MTSU um, and headed up the Center for um, uh, Child Welfare, which did the tr- was essentially at that time the training arm for DCS, mm-hmm. and then did some consulting work for children's rights. Mm-hmm. And I had felt so removed from field, from the field, yeah. that a friend of mine at the Center for Nonprofit Management who knew that I was looking for an opportunity to get back in the field, so I've got just the agency for you. Yeah. And she told me about RAP, and I did some research on the agency, mm-hmm. and and I thought, yeah, this is, and I loved West, I'd been spent a lot of time in West Tennessee um, when working with DCS, mm-hmm. and loved West Tennessee, loved the people, knew I'd be happy here, and, yeah. and I have been. 
And yeah. uh, it was a great decision. I was grateful that the board um, decided to bring me on and um, have loved, I mean, it's been hard. We've done a lot of hard work, yeah. uh, but I've got a great team and, um, and we're making real progress um, to the benefit of survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault who come to us for support. And we'll talk more about RAP in the next segment. Mm -hmm. and, and so we've talked about you professionally. What about personally? Do you have hobbies? Do you... I do. Um, well, I, as I said, I have five children, so a yeah. lot of my That's time is spent, problem. and I have four grandchildren, yeah. um, all of whom are in Nashville. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so I spend quite a few weekends there because it's always some, and all my, I have siblings, they're all there, and my father's still living, he's there. So um, I spend a lot of time, weekends in Nashville for family yeah. events <laughs> of one sort of and the other. Um, but I enjoy painting, I love writing, um, yeah. I do poetry. So yeah, I'm I, I yeah, a lot of my spare time right now though, if it's not family, it's usually my creative outlet is designing sort of social media posts for um, Rap's Facebook page and well, things like go. that. Yeah, that's awesome. That yeah. can be a pretty taxing thing creatively. It is, but it's fun. I yeah. mean, it's good. Yeah, and I'm going to start a blog. So again, because I as I said, I enjoy writing. So yeah. trying to find outlets for my talents that also benefit the organization. That's really great. Um, well, let's head into the first break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about rap. Okay. So, uh, from uh, from between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers, this is R. Jackson. We're back with Darrell Jensu Tut, who's uh, the executive director of Rap. Yes. Now, first of all, I know Rap is all in capitals, which means it's probably an acronym that's right acronym. Yes. so 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 why don't you tell us what that acronym is and and talk just about what, what what the mission of rap is sure um rap stands for women and men's so it's w-o slash m-e-n okay. okay which is women and men's resource and rape assistance program okay. and rap serves survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault in 19 counties in west tennessee about 50 percent of those we serve are here in jackson madison basically county. outside of shelby county we serve every county west of the Tennessee River except for um, Fayette and Shelby. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, our mission, um, well, let me start with our vision, is to um, build safe, stable, nurturing relationships, families, and communities. And... Um, our mission in doing and accomplishing that vision is to work with individuals and families um, to equip them with the tools and support that they need to make the decisions that they feel comfortable with um, to help them mm -hmm. build their own safe and stable relationships yeah. and families. And then to work with communities um, to to look for ways that we can, as a community, end violence against women and girls. Because we believe if we can end violence against women and girls, we can also end it against men and boys. So that almost sounds more of a preventative organization. To, well, too. So we provide direct services. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the, the first part of our, mm -hmm. our mission, is to provide those direct services yeah. to to victims, but the goal is not just to get them out, 
but to help them when they're ready to come out because mm-hmm. we can't you can't make anyone leave. But when it, if it's a domestic violence situation, you can't make anyone come forward if they've been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they do make those decisions, to make sure that, that we're honoring sort of what they identify as their needs and working with them mm-hmm. to get those needs addressed and to make sure they get the support they need. So that's the direct service component. Yeah. But it's not enough to just work downstream mm-hmm. at pulling people out of that raging river yeah. of abuse that they may have either been pushed into or fallen into or or maybe even willingly jumped into because they didn't realize mm-hmm. the danger that was there. Part of a big part of what we want to do is to work upstream too to figure yeah. out what's pushing them in, what's mm-hmm. causing them to jump in, yeah. what's causing them to fall in, what can we do about it? And it's not just rap. That's not just a rap issue. It's a sociocultural issue. It's yeah. an issue for for our communities to really look at because people think there isn't anything we can do about this. I mean, it just happens. But actually, there's a lot we can do, yeah. but we have to be willing to look at it. So let's start with the preventative side. So sure. what are some of the things y'all are doing on the preventative side to change the entire culture? The sociocultural <laughs> norms? Oh, my goodness. Well, initially, I think, first of all, for Western see what we've been doing. Um, my first, I guess, four years here um, have been on sort of creating the infrastructure for our program. We have an evidence-based practice model, strengthening our direct practice work. We've just started this year, particularly working with Praxis International, which is a national technical assistance resource agency funded by the Office of Violence, the Federal Office of Violence Against Women, um, around ways in which we can work towards changing sort of the cultural norms in our community. What strategies can we use beyond what we've been doing, which is you know education and awareness, which is really important. But, but how do we target that? How are we more strategic around that? How do we bring those messages to our community in a way that our community understands and, and hears? I mean, is willing to listen and really think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been working with Praxis International. We're also working, um, I'm on a state level um, with, with the Tennessee uh, Coalition to End Domestic and Sexual Violence. We have a state um, sexual assault prevention committee that is working on doing the same thing. The, my, our work with Praxis International has been focused on domestic violence. Yeah. The work with the Sexual Assault Prevention Committee obviously has been around yeah. sexual assault. And again, we're time. looking at those sociocultural, yeah. how do we change mm-hmm. the norms that give rise to, that make, it, that make people blame victims, mostly women. I mean, it's only in the crimes of domestic violence and sexual assault that you see the victim gets blamed and the perpetrator is not really held accountable by our culture. Yeah. Um, I mean, law enforcement is doing a lot, and they're good partners with us mm-hmm. in sort of working to hold defenders accountable, but many victims don't want to move forward because they're shamed and blamed by the communities in which they live. And that's just a really unfortunate and inconvenient truth um, that we're working to do something about. Gotcha. Then down the river, so... When someone has made, so in, I think it was very interesting that you said when someone's made the decision to get out mm-hmm. of that relationship or that situation. Or to come forward to report um, mm-hmm. an assault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, um, so what does that look like? Walk us through something. Um, well, um, and I prefer to, once they reach for help, mm-hmm. for me, they're, they've become survivors. They want to survive this. They want to, to, to get out and to move forward. Mm-hmm. 
And so they come to us sometimes um, through referrals from the police. Here in Jackson, Madison County, RAP was privileged to be part of the founding of the Safe Hope Center, which is West Tennessee, rural West Tennessee's only family justice center so far. We hope there will be others. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is that RAP is, lo- our main office is located um, in the Safe Hope Center along with the Jackson Police Department's um, domestic violence unit, their sexual assault unit is there. Um, we um, West Tennessee Legal Legal Aid has a has an office there. Um, the sheriff has a presence there. The DA comes. The our assistant district attorney who handles domestic violence cases usually comes once a week to sort of review those cases. Um, so we feel very fortunate to be part of this collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson Madison County General Hospital also has the only sexual assault nurse examiner program in rural West Tennessee. And so we collaborate and work very, I'm, in fact, I came here from a sexual assault response team meeting, mm-hmm. which is a meeting of the DA, the sexual assault nurse examiners, Safe Hope Center um, director, uh, RAP. We have several people from RAP who sit on that team. West Tennessee Legal Services are all gathered around to sort of look at what are we doing mm-hmm. to address the needs of victims of sexual assault and to hold perpetrators of sexual assault accountable? Um, so when victims are referred to us, um, um, when survivors come to us, they reach out for help, and uh, they could come to us from the hospital. They could come to us from uh, the police. Mm-hmm. Um, many times they call us on our hotline. They've heard about us. So. You know, whenever we have opportunities to, to do a podcast, to go on the news, to we welcome the media exposure because the more people hear about us, mm-hmm. the more they begin to think maybe they can help. They'll call our crisis line. Yeah. And so we'll bring them in that way. They come into our office, and the first thing they do is they meet with an advocate who essentially listens to their story mm-hmm. um, and helps them think through sort of, where how they're feeling about their situation and what they want to do not everyone is ready to leave some folks are just trying to understand what's going on in their relationship Mm -hmm. and not every relationship in which there is conflict is a relationship where there's domestic violence Um, and we help them understand what that looks like Mm -hmm. so we we provide what we call psychoeducational counseling that is aimed at helping them to understand you know, what the, the, the signs of domestic violence look like. Yeah. So that they're better to, we also do lethality assessments, so danger assessments, to help them understand how dangerous their current situation may be. Mm-hmm. And through this type of information, we, we give them information that then helps them in their own decision-making process. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we work with victims, we work with them Uh, We use an evidence-based practice model for community um, advocacy that looks at four main outcomes. So our goal is to help them achieve justice, and justice by means of holding an offender accountable if that's what they're ready to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also means social and economic justice. In order for a woman to get out and stay, and I'm going to say woman because 96% of the the people we served last year were were women, and about 60% of them have children. And so for a woman with children to get out of an abusive situation, justice for them means they're able to earn a living for themselves and their children, to support themselves and their children, yeah. and they can. there's a safe place they can stay, yeah. a safe and affordable place. Mm-hmm. The absence of these two things means they can't leave. Yeah. 
there is no justice for them. Um, the second thing that we do is um, we focus on outcomes related to autonomy. Someone who's been in a, in a domestic violence situation for a long time feels dependent, like they're not able to make decisions. They've been told they were stupid, they can't do anything. So we help them find their voice, find themselves, realize that I can make a decision for myself. I just need the information and the support. We're cheerleaders in that. And then um, restoration of their sense of well-being, their sense of self-confidence, their sense of self-esteem. With every step they take, with every decision they make, they gain more confidence. So we work with them around that. Again, giving them the information and the tools that they need to be able to make that decision. And then last but not least, of course, is safety. And that's, again, providing with the information they need to know how to avoid these types of relationships because they're, they're vulnerable when they first come out. Vulnerable not only to to establishing a relationship with the new abuser, but but to being persuaded to go back to the previous abuser. So helping them to to helping them to fortify themselves against um, relapse. Um, and so um, and then once we complete work with them, and usually, you know, we we do intensive case management. So we we either meet with them or call them when they first come to us several times a week mm-hmm. um, because people tend to be anxious and scared whether yeah. they're a victim of domestic violence or sexual assault, Absolutely. not sure of what to do. And um, uh, once they feel comfortable, mm-hmm. then that's when we complete the work. But they know the door's always open if they need us again. So what, so, you know, those first two are pretty, um, pretty big barriers to climb. You know, how, do you have places for people to stay? Yeah, we talk with landlords. We have, well, RAP has three safe homes. We have one in Jackson, we have one in Trenton, and one in uh, Union City. But these are short-term. Okay. Um, so we also have jumped a lot of hurdles to get um, HUD, um, a HUD grant, a housing and urban development grant. And those are not easy to get. Um, but we have that because it's something really needed. Um, but in order to get that grant, we have had to build relationships with landlords. And I have to say landlords in Jackson, Madison County have been very helpful, been very willing to work with us. Um, and we are grateful for that. And then we also work with local, um, colleges and schools. Um, victims of domestic violence can get, um, scholarships that help to fund training, education, again, so that they can get affordable jobs um, with with living wages that, that they can actually support themselves on. Because a lot of women are thinking, I, you know, in order for me to survive, I've got to work two jobs. And what's going to happen to my children? They'll end up being neglected, in custody, mm-hmm. and you have this vicious cycle. And that's what will keep them there. I mean, we, I can't tell you how many women we've served who waited until the last child was out of the house and then... I need help me out. I, I need to get out. I'm ready now. So we try to to help them identify again learning opportunity. That's what they want to do. We help them find the funds that allow them to do that. And again, uh, not only are we able to find funds through through external sources, but internally we've had a lot of support for people, um, organizations, and individuals who have been willing to help people, you know, fund. Um, a training course or um, a continued education. Um, and then we work with uh, potential employers. Um, 
we know where those are, we participate in job fairs, um, and we make sure that we get that our advocates are aware of sort of what jobs are available, where they're hooked in. We work closely with like Goodwill Solutions and the, the um, Labor Department's um, Career Service Center so that many of the, the women who come to us, women and men who come to us for help um, and really work through those, you know, sort of take advantage of all of the support that's available to them. Mm-hmm. I want to say, I'm trying to remember my number, it's, it's like 92% of those we served um, had successful, I mean, achieved mm-hmm. the goals they had set for themselves. Yeah. Um, those that don't, um, or those who don't reach out at all, I mean, the domestic homicides that we've had, we explored those, and um, none of them availed themselves of the services mm-hmm. that um, were available to them. Yeah. Um, and part of what we want to, that's why we're, we want to get out there, because our concern is, did they not reach out to us because they didn't know or was it you know they knew but they were too afraid and how do we address that how do we help folks know so those are those are things that we take very seriously what are you know maybe i know i'm sure there's a lot but what are some Mm -hmm. of like maybe one or two of the biggest misconceptions about about the work that you guys do maybe the work that you do or the people that you serve well, I think of the people that we serve, um, the biggest misconception is that, again, the victim is the problem, whether it's sexual assault or domestic violence. Sexual assault, first question, well, where were you? What were you wearing? Had you Were you drinking? Um, sort of the thought that a woman is to blame because, or, or, or a man, as the case may be, but an individual is to blame because someone else assaulted them without, I mean, had sex with them without their permission. Mm-hmm. Um, that's never true. Consent is a law in Tennessee. Yeah. You have to, that means not that, that I have to tell you no. What it means is I have to say, you have to ask me and I have to say yes. Mm-hmm. So there's that that whole sort of lack of understanding of what consent means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for victims of domestic violence, it's sort of like, well, why does she stay? As though... Leaving were easy. If you are in a small community and you and your husband go to the same church, you've got children, they're in school, your families are good. I mean, a whole community can be impacted Mm -hmm. by a woman's decision to leave. And then she's thinking about not of herself, but how am I going to take care of the kids? And we're going to have to get a divorce and what's that going to be like? And I don't really believe in that. And I don't want my children to have to go through that. So sort of people believing that leaving is easy, it's never easy. Mm-hmm. It, it's just never easy. And then people think, well, why did you hook up with this person to begin with? Why on earth? I promise you, abusers don't reveal themselves as abusers yeah. at the outset. Yeah. It's a gradual process and by the time you realize what you're in that you're sort of stuck in this quicksand of abuse you can't get yourself out easily Mm -hmm. it's hard all right that's a lot of information um and so let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about um where rap's going and and things of that nature so from our front porch to yours this is our jackson
we're back with Darl Jun Su Tut. Uh, she is the executive director of RAP. Um, Darl, so so where is RAP heading right now? Well, right now RAP is looking at um, sort of stepping. We've spent a lot of time sort of strengthening our infrastructure um, and looking at where gaps in services are in, in rural West Tennessee and making sure that we've covered those gaps and strengthen increasing our workforce. Mm-hmm. So we've we've done a good job of that, I think. Um, now we're, we're going to step back and, and see now, how is that working? Mm-hmm. And do we have our resources placed where they need to be? And sort of really look at the data we've gathered over the last two or three years to begin making some, some strategic decisions about you know, how we want to organize ourselves regionally mm-hmm. and, and about how we want to um, strengthen the quality. You know, what, what part of our work do we want to do more of? Mm-hmm. Sort of that start, stop, continue. What, what is it that we're doing we need to stop doing? What aren't we doing that maybe we need to start doing? What are we still doing? What are we doing now that we need to continue doing? Sort yeah. of do that kind of thorough assessment. Um, of our programs. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, um, we really want to do more now sort of of that upstream work of mm-hmm. really sort of looking at putting into place and developing some, some core strategies and begin implementing those strategies for, for um, beginning to shift um, the sociocultural norms around, mm-hmm. um, you know, what safe, stable, nurturing families and communities and relationships look like and what yeah. we need to do to accomplish that. Gotcha. And then you're on a bunch of committees and stuff like that. So I do a lot of different things, yeah. So what are, are any of those working on things for the future that you're really excited about? Well, the Sexual Assault Prevention Committee, as I said, it sort of corresponds, dovetails very nicely with, as an agency, what we want to do, and that's that, that, that macro-level work. Um, around uh, what's more like mezzo because we're focused on the community level right now of mm-hmm. really sort of looking at what can we do more of in the community to strengthen community knowledge and awareness around this. Um, but then um, another group that I'm uh, that I've been a participant of is the Jackson area um, um, Business and Professional Women's mm-hmm. Group, um, which is a group that has long stood for uh, gender equality mm-hmm. and equal rights for women. And that's something I, I mean, uh, I hesitate to say this because so many people don't understand um, what this, don't really understand what this word means. It's been demonized since the 70s. And I mean, RAP is a feminist organization in that we believe in gender equality. Mm-hmm. Um, People should not be discriminated against based on gender. Um, and again, a lot of women stay in abusive relationships because they are discriminated against. They, they're not going to be able to get a job with a living wage. Um, so the Jackson Area Business and Professional Women's Association stands for that and continues to work each year towards, you know, again, building awareness around that. So that's very consistent with what I do. Um, and then, of course, I, um, I um, teach as an adjunct from time to time um, for the University of Tennessee. I did that um, in the social work program for the University of Tennessee at Knoxville for several years. 
And when I started at RAP, it just was too much. Mm-hmm. But I still, to me, I think teaching is an adjunct because you don't, I mean, it's definitely not for the pay. Has, I mean, yeah. it's, mm. um, I, it, to me, I see it as a way of giving back, just as I see bringing interns into our organization as a way of giving back. And, and I enjoy that. So I teach at University of Tennessee Martin Jackson Center, um, usually one course a year. Um, mm-hmm. But I also serve on the board there. So again, sort of looking at ways in which, um, um, I mean, I love their programs for non-traditional students. A lot of the people in those programs are women. Many of them have experienced abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. So by providing these opportunities for non-traditional students, mm-hmm. the University of Tennessee and other colleges and universities um, in Jackson and rural West Tennessee without realizing it, are, are, are providing pathways mm. for people to, to get out of an abusive situation and stay out. Mm. Well, all that being said, what are some of the best ways that people can support RAP? Um, lots of ways. Um, we have fundraisers. Um, we usually have one in October um, and we have one in March. Um, that information's on our website, um, and actually lots of ways to get involved and to help RAP are available on our website. And our website's uh, www.wraptn.org, raptn.org. And um, I invite you to go and look at the website and see the many different ways that you can get involved um, in our organization. And of course, we love um, don- donations of time, um, if there are folks listening to this who want to help out with those social media campaigns that I uh, design and develop, I could sure use the help. Um, so folks who are interested in helping, who have you know, administrative skills, um, who want to contribute, people who have, um, are interested in working, uh, doing direct service. Mm-hmm. Uh, that requires a, a larger time commitment yeah. uh, because it involves training. And there's a cost, um, of course, we do, but all of our folks have to have background checks and drug and alcohol checks and sex offender registry checks and all of that. Um, but then, of course, donations of in-kind. Um, many times we work with people who come to us with nothing, they and their children. So uh, donations of, of clothing and personal items. And then um, donations of money are always welcome. And the money is used for things like um, if we have someone who has transportation and they're going to leave their abuser and go to family in, um, let's say, Arizona, we can fill their car up here, mm-hmm. but we cannot, with our grant funds, give them, buy them cards so that they can get gas or food en route. Mm. And so you've got a mom with three kids going to grandma's in Arizona. It's a long drive. Yeah. And if without gas cards or food cards, then we just help them as best we can. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, pass the hat um, to give them some money so that they can fill up at least one more time before Mm -hmm. they get there. So that's the kind of thing that these things go for, to pay for those things, emergency medicines and other things that our grant funds don't allow us to pay for. Well, that's a lot of good information, and uh, Darrell, I just want to thank you for um, for serving at RAP and, and moving to Jackson and choosing to call Jackson home and, and for helping to make it a better place. Thank you so much. 
Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at The Code. To find out more about The Code, visit their website at www.attheco.com. To find out more about our Jackson home and to read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit rjacksonhome.com.